The information contained in this podcast is general in nature and is not to be taken as financial or personal advice. It does not consider your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether this information is suitable for you and your personal circumstances before acting on it. Hi, and welcome to The Home Run, your guide to buying your first home in Australia. On this show, I'll walk you through the home buying process from every angle. We cover the steps to take, the pitfalls to avoid, and the answers to all your questions you've been dying to ask. No matter what stage you're at, you'll learn everything you need to know about buying your first home. I'm your host, Michael Nasser, and I'm a mortgage broker at Lend Street, and I really love helping people buy their first home. In today's episode, we're speaking to Lan Tar. Lan is a buyer's agent based in Sydney, assisting people reach their property goals sooner via her company, Chic Buyer's Agent. Today, we'll be focused on a topic requested by a listener, how to research for property. We'll discuss what a first home buyer needs to consider when researching for a property, how to create a property wish list, and how to determine the value of a property, among many other things. Heaps of great insights in today's episode with Lan, so let's jump in. Thank you, Lan, for your time. We appreciate you coming on the podcast and having a chat to us. Thank you for having me. The first thing I'd like to get going is that if we can get a bit of a background, if you can let us know a bit about yourself and how you ended up where you are today. I've been working in property for over 17 years. I started off in residential valuations. So and then I moved into the retail property management space. So I've worked for both landlord and retailer side with major landlords and global real estate firms. So managing shopping centres, commercial, mixed-use developments, predominantly in the CBD and CBD fringes of Sydney. And then over the course of the last two years during the pandemic and dealing with both commercial and retail tenants, it just made me more aware of the need to diversify. So although my industry and my job was pretty safe in the pandemic and I was busier than before, I was also exposed to many industries that were not so protected. I saw a lot of businesses that had been built up over a number of years and decades and obviously due to the pandemic suddenly lose their businesses lose their source of income overnight. And probably along with everybody else, I didn't enjoy the lockdown period. However, it did give me the opportunity to reassess and it was a catalyst for change for me personally. So so while on a break to spend time with the family, I had time to read books and more so listen to audiobooks. And one of the key takeaways for me from one of the books I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that was the need to mind our own business. If you aren't familiar with the book, it really just talks about looking after your personal business and affairs so that we can be more financially independent. Often we're so busy in our jobs that we don't think about how we can build our personal business and wealth. So ultimately, this led me to start my own buyer's agent business. It just made sense. I love property. I know property. I've been doing it forever. And I wanted to continue to build my portfolio in order to protect my personal business. And I knew that I could help others do the same. I feel like it's such a luxury to be a buyer's agent because it enables me to help others with their property journey and being able to make a positive contribution to someone's personal goal. It's such a joy and it's an honor really. So I feel quite grateful to be in this position and have the opportunity to do what I do and make a greater impact. And you mentioned you love property. I mean, people that are listening to this podcast are looking at property, obviously, first home buyers in particular, but what is it about property that you love in Mm. particular and what draws you to property? 
I've always had an interest in property. And when I started my uni course and anyway, I ended up changing it to do property economics, but it's always just been an interest. And I guess because we all need property, we have to live somewhere that stems from a place of need. And then the ability to use property as an investment vehicle to build your wealth. And I feel like that opportunity, and because it's quite safe, if you know what you're doing, and it's a long-term game and you can potentially put in the right measures in place and just let it sit there and do its thing. And you don't need to worry too much about it as well. You mentioned as long as you've got the right measures with property, the rest of the work can be done itself. Uh, I think that definitely brings in the power of what a buyer's agent can do in terms of making sure those right measures are in place. And so much of what we talk about today, Mm. I think are going to be touching on what those right measures are because property is definitely a mechanism for wealth and wealth generation and Mm. investment. I mean, obviously not our focus as first home buyers, but ultimately it is a part that can be taken. But like with any investment, there is an element of risk and you've got to know what you're doing. And we often fall into the space of, knowing with property or relying too much on the fact that the property market will lift, that everything will be okay. But there are definitely nuances and particularities with property that can help you buy a better property or something, things that you're not thinking about, which again is the role of a buyer's agent, I imagine, throughout that whole process in that guiding and researching, most importantly. Yeah, exactly. I think I always like to say risk is just a measure of knowledge, right? Something risky to someone who doesn't know much about property, for example, For me, it might be less risky because I know how to research. I know what to look into. So that can help as a buyer's agent, help close that gap, that knowledge gap, that risk gap. And that today, I guess, first time around, there are so many things that you haven't done before as a first home buyer. And there are things when it comes to researching that I guess maybe come more naturally in terms of just thinking what you need to do. So when we look at property research, and again, with those right measures and trying to mitigate all the risk potentially, What are the main areas someone needs to consider or a first home buyer needs to consider when they start to do research for a property? I think it's good to start off with the macro, so bigger picture, then zoom in on the micro. So budget obviously plays a major role in the equation. And once that is established, so from that point, the main consideration before you even start to research as a first home buyer, I believe would be to focus on the purpose of the property. So not just now but in the longer term. So what are your key desires for the first property? You know, will it be your first and forever home? Will it become an investment property down the track or you know, use this leverage to upgrade in the medium term, long term? So it's good to have an understanding of that plan. Understanding your intention or your why will enable a better plan and strategy to achieve the desired outcome. As a professional who does yeah, this all the time, what's your strategy to property research? So once a budget has been established and you have clarity on your goal, the next thing I believe would be the location research. So most first-time buyers, they would have an idea of where they want to buy initially. And this is often driven by your budget and then your lifestyle. So next step would be looking a little deeper into the suburb profile. So that would include looking at median prices, median price movements, you know, days on market, the number of properties sold over the last 12 months, local schools, amenities, demographics, like household structure, household occupancy. These data points will help tell a story about the location. So for example, historical growth is a good indicator that there is opportunity for continued growth. Obviously, this generally speaking, and it would depend on the market and timing of the market. 
Reduced days on market indicates an increased demand in the location. And then her household structure. So this will tell you what kind of neighbourhood potentially you're buying into, whether it's more family friendly or party central, depending on which stage of your life, we'll see which one resonates and fits you in your lifestyle. I like that you mentioned mm. data points. Mm. You've mentioned a few mm. particular data points there as well. I think that's a critical thing. And obviously it's something that a buyer's agent thinks about actively when they're researching property. It's those data points that makes the difference, I believe, to what someone would probably normally do. And I guess in your experience, what do people normally do? So if you speak to a first home buyer, maybe they don't tell you directly, but after you chat with them, do you gauge as to what they might be doing? Or do you know in general what people are doing for research, I guess, at the very basic level? Yeah, well, well, often they're on the just the, the platforms, real estate domain, and potentially they've been out, been to a couple of opens already, or been to a couple of auctions. A lot of the buyers that I speak to, they've been monitoring the market for a couple of months already, and a lot of the time they haven't had that much luck yet and getting a bit of buyer fatigue so then that's when they are ready to have the conversation with me and also just to see what value a buyer's agent can provide and what kind of additional information that I would look into over and above what they would because generally they would just be looking at the property from a visual perspective and and the price and does it have three bedrooms or four bedrooms that fit their criteria. And I imagine they're looking more prices in the suburbs based on those real estate websites. Just as an example, so Let's just assume that the average first home buyer that's doing their research is probably looking at realestate.com. How many platforms would you look at as an example? You don't have to explain which they are exactly, but as a number, like how many different Mm. tools are we utilizing to do your research? I definitely do look at real estate and domain and those that have the properties for sale. And then depending on how much detail I need, I'm probably in addition to those two or three I'll probably be looking at between four and six other reference areas, websites, and I have paid subscriptions and it just depends on the type of information that I'm after. I'll dig a little bit deeper. It's that quality, I guess, that you can bring to it with that depth of research, as you've mentioned. Well, it's understanding the data. So you can have a look at something and go, okay, cool. Like the auction results have been great this weekend, 70% clearance rate, for example. What does that mean? It's the understanding behind the data and what that means. And I guess with economics as your uni degree, that gives you an extra advantage when it comes to actually sort of interpreting that data and putting it into a perspective or putting it into some common sense or some sense that we can take value out of to, I guess, execute an action on or a plan in terms of what we're looking to do. So that's very much location. And you did mention price. And I think obviously people do refer to price. You've mentioned that budget is one of the first things on the macro level that you're looking at as well for first home buyers in terms of what they can do in the areas. But other than price, obviously, which is very much influenced by location, what other aspects of location would you really put an emphasis on? I know you've mentioned a few earlier, but other than price within the location, what are one or two really key elements that a first home buyer can be mindful of when they're doing their research? The aspects that you consider will depend on the buyer and their goals and the needs. However, generally speaking, you would consider proximity to the CBD and other main job nodes. So obviously looking at your personal current job location makes sense. If you both work outside of the CBD, then it's probably less of a need to be close to the CBD. Proximity to public transport, accessibility to main arterial roads and motorways, proximity to shops and amenities, other lifestyle drivers, cafes, parks, 
your schools and being within the like catchment area of high-ranking schools is also good for buyers who either have a family or are thinking about starting a family any upcoming surrounding development projects that might impact the value of your property so for example if you're buying in a high-rise and you've got city views and you haven't done the research and you're about to build something across the road it's going to block your view flood zones is also another big one bushfire prone areas flight paths and government housing as well. I'd also just look into the demographics of a location so and the overall livability and lifestyle. Does that fit in with where you are in your life at the moment? So there's, there's quite a bit that you can look into. It's massive, isn't it? I mean, the list yeah. is so exhaustive, but that comes yeah. back down to making it some take-homes from that. So if you were to recommend somebody to start, would you recommend somebody to start with a property wish list, for example, and make it clear as to what they're after? Or how would you advise someone in terms of what to do to begin with, with so many variables? One thing I liked there that you mentioned, you said being close to work. And I don't think people sometimes Mm. consider that so much, like understanding what's important for you in that particular moment. And if you're close to work and Mm. work is somewhere, being close to that is probably important to you or could be important to you. And so that could put you in a particular area that is different to what you might initially be thinking. I guess that's one metric, but how would you recommend someone to start with a property wish list? What details, what headings could they have on that list just to get them going? Yes, having a wish list is great. However, I would definitely categorize them into or along the lines of must-haves, love to have and kind of nice to have but not essential. And you can break them into your basics like number of bedrooms, bathrooms, construction types, so brick or clad or other whether you're after a freestanding, semi-detached, you know, unit, townhouse, number of living areas. You could even list what you would like to have in a particular room, for example, like built-ins, walk-in wardrobe, walk-in pantry. And then there's the external wish list as well. So yard space, do you want something low maintenance? And then location wish factors as well. And that would talk to proximity and location, like would you like to be five minutes from the station or 10 minutes from the local shops. Having said that though, like I think it's good to just keep that wish list a little flexible because after completing your research, it might be a case of identifying what can and cannot be achieved within your budget. And then apart from your non-negotiables, you may be able to be flexible or you may need to be flexible in other areas. Flexibility would be key, as you've mentioned. Are there some things that you shouldn't be flexible on? Like in that non-negotiable list, What are the kind of things that you normally see from your experience that you shouldn't really compromise on, in your opinion? Well, number of bedrooms, because that's probably a fixed point that you need. So you may want ideally four bedrooms, but you really only need three. So just identifying what your actual need is, and they would be your non-negotiable. And being close to schools, for example, it's difficult to be dragging two kids on a 15-minute walk. And then that's more of a lifestyle and that's the understanding that you want to be walking distance to certain local amenities. But it really will depend on the individual, I think, and that can change because if you don't have a car, for example, your non-negotiable is being close to public transport, walking distance, right? Yeah. Whereas someone with a car or who drives to work, they may not have that need. It's a nice to have, but it's not a need. I think that strategy and that ability to actually sit down and map it out as much as you can before will definitely help the Mm -hmm. whole process going forward. 
All right, that's on location. I want to jump to valuation research now, and it's probably a topic mm-hmm. that most mm-hmm. people come to when they start looking at research pretty early on. It's looking mm. at prices. I think whether it's via the media or just in, in everyday conversation with people, we always talk about the price of property and how mm. your prices are, are going up. And obviously that's the normal conversation. It's, it's obviously very much in the moment as well. But in saying that, when it comes to the price component, how do you see that? Do you see that as an easy thing to do or a hard thing to do in terms of trying to, to do that? And what would be the hardest aspect of that research? It's not rocket science, but there is some elements and you need to understand the market and to have some historical information on what's been happening and also an understanding of what's been happening in the market generally. But then there's also markets within markets. So it's good to get micro on the particular area that you are focusing on. The best way to approach this would be to review the comparable sales in the area that you're looking to buy in. How can a first home buyer conduct proper research when it comes to trying to determine the value of a property? You'd want to be looking at comparable sales in the area and as most recent as you can because prior to the last 12 months in 2021, we saw crazy prices and crazy growth and you could potentially use sales within three months to provide a good guide on market value. However, as the market has changed so rapidly more recently, you would want to be looking at sales within the last month if you can. Start off with a 1K radius as well. So sales in the same street is awesome because there are often different pockets within suburbs that may be more appealing and fetch a higher price for some reason. You know, it might be closer to the school or it's it's within a particular school catchment or for whatever reason. And then if you're looking at units, sales in the same complex are also the best to use. However, for new developments, you'd want to be looking at second sales for similar size developments to just ascertain the resale potential or value because sometimes new developments can also be quite inflated. So once you identify that there are some sales within that 1K radius, you really need to then look a little bit more into the details of the property. So for example, you're looking at the land size, the aspect, usable land, the street appeal, single frontage versus double frontage, freestanding versus semi-detached or attached, the facade construction material, the size of the property is an obvious one, condition so whether it's renovated if it's partly updated and the standard of finishes and number of bedrooms obviously number of living areas bathrooms car spaces even bedroom sizes and as you get familiar with a location or a region you can better understand the value of an extra bedroom or an extra 10 square meters in that location because For example, you know, 10 square metres extra in a property closer to the city or in the city fringes, they would have a higher value than 10 square metres in a suburb that's 30 k's out from the CBD. So understanding that and once you dig into the research and looking at those sales, you'll have a better understanding of what that extra 10 square metres looks like. There's a lot of value in what you just said there. That was heaps of detail. You're trying to find a property value of something as similar as you can to the property you're looking to buy in terms of proximity and also layout, I guess. So bedrooms and things like that. And especially in this time, because of the rapid growth in prices over the last 12 months, what would you have previously said was time? Because I think you've mentioned that within a month, ideally, is what you want to be looking at. But if you take away the last 12 months, what's that time frame on average that you would be using? Yeah, three months would be okay because 
the number of sales increase so we can actually get enough data within the one month and look at sales within the location now, whereas previously the number of sales may not have been as high. So you're looking at prices probably within the three-month period. Depending on if the property is quite unique, when I was doing valuations many, many years ago, we would potentially go back six months just to get an idea of, especially if it was a sale within the same development, that just gives you a better idea of the vicinity of where you need to be. And then you can have a look at has the market gone up, gone down. So you have that dated sale in the back of your mind, work on the most recent sales as well, but it's just something to give you more of an idea of the price and you can work your way in and around those figures and ideally come up with the same figure, if that makes sense. Using as many data points as you can and as many sales as you can, and if it's more relevant, even if it's six months old, keep that under consideration. Yeah. When we say valuation, I guess it's important to also distinguish that we're talking about the sale price, the price yes. that it'll sell for, not the valuation mm-hmm. that a bank will give it. They mm-hmm. are two different things, although they can often be the same. They are two different things. So when it comes to, I guess, to trying to work out the price of a property, do you look at it differently, whether it's the method of sale? So do you take into consideration whether it's an auction or whether it's a private treaty sale, or will you value it in the same way, regardless of the sale type? I value it the same, but it's just still one of those things to consider that, okay, they sold at auction, so it's probably a little bit higher. But at the end of the day, market value is what somebody's willing to pay, like a willing buyer for that price. And a lot of the time, it's own occupiers that that are usually driving that higher price as well. So you're in that market with first-time buyers. So yeah, you definitely consider it, but you still work on the same principles. As a buyer's agent, you're obviously attending auctions and you're going to negotiations for private trade. And obviously we're talking about the research here, not that side of the equation, yeah. I guess. But I mean, how often in the role that you do, are you finding that you're explaining to people, okay, well, this is what we think it's worth. However, mm. like you said, the market will pay what the market will pay. So how often are you finding that after yeah. you conduct that research and you have a price, how often is it going over? In this market, quite a lot. But usually I will provide a low, medium and high range. And then if it's at that high range and it might be 10, 20K more, is it worth paying that extra 10, 20 more than that high range? And if that means you can stop your search or that's the perfect property and you're happy to pay that, then, you know, maybe it's worth it. Yeah. So it, again, will depend on yeah. the client and how much more that they are going because I can give them an idea of what I believe that it's worth, low, medium, high range, If they absolutely love the property, it ticks almost all the boxes, then go for it. I often find that when I work with first home buyers, Mm. you've got that, there's that emotional component and you can't put the value on that. You Mm. can obviously be very analytical and use the data points and make your lists and okay, and this is what it's going to be. And for the most part, you can stick to it. But sometimes Mm. if there's an emotional connection with a property, first home buyers can often fall in that space where they really, really love something. It's Mm. sort of like... I love it. Or someone else might be perhaps that attends the auction or that's negotiating on the property too. And then there's that emotional price that gets added to it ultimately. And that's the part you can't predict ultimately. You can probably have a good read on it in terms of you've mentioned you use a low, medium and a high guide. But at the end of the day, if someone is emotionally connected to a property, sometimes all that logic gets thrown out the window and it becomes a different type of purchase, I would imagine. Yes, definitely. And look, the value that buyer's agent can provide is giving you that value. And often... If it's going crazy, I would step in and say, like, I think it's a bit too high because 
that's one of the values of engaging a buyer's agent. We don't have that emotional element. So we can give you the guide. We can give you, you know, say, yeah, actually, if you want to pay 10, 20K over, like that makes sense if it means that you can stop searching. But if you're looking to pay 100K, 200K over, like that just doesn't make sense in terms of if you want to look to borrow against it later down the track, you might need to wait an extra year or, or something to get that value back. But just having that open conversation with them, letting them know that these, what the flow on effects could be, will enable them to make a better decision. Okay, I wanted to jump into some, perhaps some examples that you might have seen or mm-hmm. experienced in your time as a buyer's agent. And in particular, examples of where somebody has not conducted the right research, what situation were they left in and what would your take-home messages be from mm. that experience? Yeah, with this example, it's actually where I helped a client with making a better decision by researching. So they didn't do the research prior and you may be able to speak a little bit more on this because it impacts the lending side, but the client found a property in Brisbane They were looking to purchase. However, they asked if I could help them complete the process. And after carrying out some research, I found that it was in a flood zoned area. It's not necessarily doom and gloom because there are measures in place, but they were looking to eventually borrow against the property to purchase another property down the track. And so this would have had implications on their lending and their their future lending capabilities because the property would be considered higher risk and depending, you've got limitations with banks. So I guess in terms of the take-home message, do your research. If you aren't sure, seek help. Property, it's a high worth asset. It's expensive to get in and out. So, you know, you want to be able to protect yourself as best you can. But if you have anything further to add to, to that scenario, because from a lending side, you might know better than me mm. in terms of what kind of implications that would have had. Obviously, they didn't go ahead with it because they knew that, okay, they need yeah. to borrow against it down the track and they didn't want to take that risk. So we found them something else. But Yeah, it would just relate to the valuation more than anything. I would imagine that if there's some yeah. type of, so you're saying it's a flood affected area and how would that have been picked up on? Yeah, council. Usually most councils have flood maps. You can just search online the address and they'll give you if it's within a flooded area or a particular rating, depending on which council area. And that's not something they picked up on and you were able to highlight that and then that pivoted Mm. their decision making. So without that bit of knowledge or that bit of information, they could have proceeded into that unknowingly. Mm. And I think it's one thing to do something knowingly. And if they had accepted that risk and said, you know what, I'm happy to take that on. That's one thing, but to do it without the knowledge, I think that's a scary bit. You could pose the question back to people that have purchased that may be listening. It's like, did you do that check before you purchased your property? And it'd be interesting <laughs> to, to hear back the exactly. response as to whether, how yeah. many people do that level of depth of research when it comes to yeah. the property? It's a free service that council provides. So it is accessible to the public, but it's just one of those things if you don't know what you don't know. That's a pretty important component that people can take home in terms of doing that right research and at the same time knowing that if you don't have the time or can't do it obviously buyers agents do exist for that particular reason and can save you a lot of money potentially going forward especially if you've got a deeper strategy if you've got more going for you it's not just the one purchase and that's it if you're intending to do something and leverage that for the next property in the next property then then obviously quality of the first purchase will determine how much you can do for the next one and what the next one looks like and having that strategy is pretty important i think for first home buyers they've really got to consider that as well which is again back to your whole macro you know philosophy in terms of what you're looking at what's your budget what's your purpose what's your intention and getting those figured out are there any other case studies or any other examples even of some research items that have come to mind in terms of 
what you've seen in the past? Yeah. Well, just more the buying of the plan residential units and particularly ones where you're promised views and then you don't do the research on surrounding developments and a building pops up across the road and all of a sudden you've paid a premium for a city view and in a couple of years time you may get the benefit of that for a few years but then in a few years time when you want to go and borrow it against it or continue to enjoy your view you've lost that 100k extra that you've paid for for the city view it's no longer there so just understanding the ability of potential development sites surrounding and if there's anything in council because a lot of the time those big projects they're in with council already so you should be able to have a look on and to see what DAs are in place in surrounding. I think that's actually a great tip and I'm glad you went back to it because the whole concept of what new developments are within the area of what you're looking to buy so if it's an established property, obviously being mindful of what is planned to be developed around you is an important aspect to be researched. And I would imagine that's a council type of initiative in terms of where you're doing the research or finding yes. out the information. But what about if someone's looking to buy in a new development? So what if someone's looking to buy off the plan, mm-hmm. for example? Is your research a little mm-hmm. bit different to off the plan? Um, I don't know, it's probably a topic in its own right, how to handle off the plan purchases. But mm-hmm. when it comes to the research of off the plan, because obviously there's no previous history, how would you approach that type of yeah. scenario? So I would look at second sales in developments that are similar because obviously you're always paying a premium to buy a brand new property and also the volume of units because at one point if a new development is going online then you've got that oversupply for that period of time. And so looking at what's the population projected for that area and is it enough to service that new development? So think about the number of units that are coming into the area and if there's going to be a few popping up because a lot of the time developers like to follow each other and you'll find that they're not just one or two developments coming up. There's probably like five or six or seven and you can see that story playing out. It's definitely an oversupply and it's going to be quite a long time before you can actually see that value or see some growth in your property. So definitely that's a huge factor to be looking at how many developments coming up and actually how many units within that development are coming up as well. And how often do you see, if you were to be looking at a new development, do you always see a disparity between what the asking price would be for that compared to if you were to look at a comparable of a second sale of an existing unit or something similar? Is there always a difference or do you find that it's okay? I guess, do we need to be cautious in that scenario? Yeah, definitely be cautious. It's like buying a new car. You know that you're paying a premium to be the first owner. However, you definitely need to be looking at resales and also a lot of the time if a new development is going up or a development might be a year or two old, you'll find that they may not have sold all of their new ones as well. So getting an idea of what they are selling for and then also seeing how long they're on the market for and what type of unit as well because if they've got 200 units coming online, for example, but the majority are two-bedroom units and they only have three three-bedroom units. Well, a three-bedroom unit, if you can afford it, obviously it's in your budget, a three-bedroom unit is going to be better in terms of long-term growth because you'll have less competition when other buildings are going up with mm. another 100 so two-bedroom units. So understanding that as well, so the breakup of units and yeah. the number of units. All right, I guess finally to wrap it up, so if first home buyers that are listening, if we wanted to give them three tips when it comes to researching for the property as a nice, simple take home, what those three tips would be? So definitely getting clarity on your purpose, I would say is number one. 
as I mentioned before, property is not cheap. It's a high cost to get in and out. So just give it some thought, the bigger picture goal. And then the second, get your finance ready, especially in a time like this, you need to be able to act quickly. If you find a property that you like, don't procrastinate. Do what you can to be the best offer. And the best offer may not necessarily mean the highest offer. It often is, but it's the best terms that you can offer as well. So if you can provide like a shorter settlement or another buyer is waiting for the settlement of their property, you know, whatever you can to help the situation from a finance ready perspective, that's great. And it puts you in a good position. And then finally, and and I guess what we've been talking about is just carry out the appropriate research, you know, have a better understanding of the value, ensure that you can act quickly. And this also avoids disappointment. If you don't know how much or have a good idea of what a property is going to go for, then obviously there's going to be a little bit more disappointment there if you show up at an auction and it's totally out of your price range. So the research part enables you to make better decisions. And if you are unsure, if you need help with it, seek advice. That's what we're here for. If you can't or don't have the time (laughs) to do the research, then contact somebody that can do it for you and can help you out, in particular a buyer's agent in this case. But I like the fact that you mentioned the avoiding disappointment if you do your research. I think that's a really critical point that people may oversee. If you do the right research and you know what you're expecting, including sitting down and mapping out what you're after, and understanding that when you do go to buy, you're a lot more informed and educated and you're a lot less likely Mm. to be disappointed because you understand. It's almost like Mm. expectation management. It's like you're knowing what to expect, therefore you won't be so upset when it occurs or you'll be prepared for it ultimately. Uh, And that's what the research enables you to do. It enables you to be prepared so that you can take action and make you move forward and also, again, adjust those expectations. 100%. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way that they can do that? So I'm on Instagram or my website, so Chic Buyers Agent, that's chicbuyersagent.com.au or reach out on Instagram. I'm happy to have a chat. I offer obligation-free consultations. So even if it's just to have a chat about your bigger goal, your why, just to get you on that track, then you're happy to have those conversations. That's great. And those details will also be in the show notes. So if you guys are interested, uh, feel free to check them out and get in touch with Lan. Thanks, Lan. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it and happy to help the community and assisting with the education process. It's, it's what I love to do as well. Thanks so much. Thank you. Cool. See you. You've been listening to The Home Run, your guide for buying your first home in Australia. This podcast was produced by Lenstreet. Lenstreet is a mortgage broker and home loan specialist that helps first home buyers find the right loan to meet their needs. We know applying for a loan can be overwhelming and complex. So we help guide and support first home buyers through the process from start to finish. To find out more, head to our website, lendstreet.com.au. We've also put a link in the show notes. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Home Run, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Michael Nasser, and we'll be back next episode covering another step on the journey to owning your first home.